0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope everyone had a good Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, my grandma, my sister, everybody who's a mother who's listening to the show. Really appreciate you checking it out. Really hope you enjoyed our Sunday MLB leadoff game. That was a lot of fun. Check out on YouTube, me and Drew had a waiver wire question and answer right after the game and we talked a little about the game and answered some of your fantasy questions. It's a lot of fun. We're definitely going to be doing that again soon. And just as a reminder that at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to check out our live recordings, you can also view the replay on our YouTube and Twitch pages by searching NBC Sports Edge. So once again, we're going to go over three prospects who are doing well and whether or not they have a chance for fantasy relevance, and then I'm going to answer your fantasy questions. But before we do that, I got to talk about George Kirby, and some of this has to do with the fact that I grew up a Mariner fan, and I really, really want this team to be good for the grandma that I just mentioned, and part of it is because George Kirby has a chance to be special, and... He was really impressive today, and we're, of course, recording on Sunday, and this is dropping on Monday, so we'll call it yesterday. George Kirby was really impressive on Sunday. Six innings pitched, no earned runs allowed, seven strikeouts, had excellent swing and miss stuff, had excellent command of it. What was most impressive to me about it is this was a – borderline must wait is way too strong of a term for it, but it was a big game for the Mariners. They had lost seven straight uh, playing and then playing against a team like Tampa Bay, who has such a quality lineup for him to do. That was just really impressive. I I can't speak highly enough to how impressed I was. Now I've been impressed with this guy for a while. He's been a top 25 prospect for me on my fantasy rankings. But I didn't think he was going to be this good. And you shouldn't expect him to be this good going forward, partially because it's very hard to have a 0.00 ERA. And then partially just because, you know, you're going to see ups and downs with young pitchers. If he doesn't have his best command, hitters will take advantage of that. But that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about Kirby is because his command is so good. He throws everything for strikes. And it's not just we've, we've talked about this before. There's a difference between command and control. And what that is is control is the ability to get the ball in the strike zone. Command is to put it where you want it in the strike zone. And Kirby does it very, very well for a pitcher of his age. I'm really impressed with what I've seen. I, I think that he has a chance to be one of the best young starters in baseball. I don't want to go too crazy with superlatives because, again, it is just one start. But anybody who watched that outing has to come away with thoughts of what he can do for your fantasy roster for the rest of the season. So, yeah, just to answer a question, and I did get a few of them, just go roster George Kirby right now. I I really think that unless you've got guys who are rostered in that 75 to 80th percentile, you can drop them for guys like George Kirby. He has a chance to be super special in the long term, and he definitely – has short-term relevance as well. I think Seattle's going to start scoring some more runs soon, so he should get more win chances. was very unfortunate today that they got they gave him zero run support, unfortunately, so he takes the no decision. But again, George Kirby, name to watch for the long term, but I think he's going to be able to help in the short term. All right, let's get to it. So here's some prospects who have put up some big numbers and whether or not they can help you. Not just this year, but obviously more of a long-term thing. The first name I want to talk about is Nelson Velasquez. Nelson Velasquez was just recently promoted by the Cubs to Triple A, Iowa. Massive numbers so far, hitting 298, 398, 714, 9 homers with six stolen bases as of this recording. Just got promoted to AAA. Was not a prospect that got a ton of hype. Uh, drafted, I believe, in the fifth round of 2017, confirming that. Yep. Always has had impressive power potential, but there were some question marks about the rest of the tools. Has worked himself into becoming a very good defensive outfielder. And what he's really done is really improved his approach at the plate. Um, a guy who had a 299 on base percentage in his first full professional season, now that 398, excuse me, on base percentage. You know, I don't think you're looking at a 400 on base percentage potential guy, but I do think he has a chance to be that uh, 340, 350, which is where you want to see right around that level. Uh, The power is going to play. Already the nine homers this year, one of the few guys who's really driving the baseball right now. Uh, Some question about the swing and miss. Part of that approach that we've talked about comes with some strikeouts. He's already struck out 38 times in 24 games, which is not ideal. That puts you on pace for that, you know, that 160 to 170. And that's just, you know, not going to lead to a very high average, but the ball does jump off of his bat. So when he does make contact, he could be a guy who has a, a decent babbit, decent runner too. So could beat out some balls. I think Nelson Velasquez is a guy that I think you need to start taking seriously as a borderline top 100 prospect. And I know that Seems like an aggressive ranking for somebody who wasn't talked about. But this is a 23-year-old who doesn't turn 24 until the day after Christmas. Plus tools in power, plus tool in arm, plus tool in fielding. Even if the hit tool only ends up 40 on the 2080 scouting scale, it's very easy for me to see that type of player being fantasy relevant. Would not be shocked at all if we saw him this year. You know, more of a long-term play for me than 2022, but definitely has a chance to help this year. I think that you need to start rostering him in Dynasty Leagues. I I got some really nice reports out of Nelson Velasquez. The Cubs have done a pretty good job with these type of players in the past. I think he needs to be someone that you consider rostering right now. You know, I want to see a little bit of how he handles AAA. Uh, Did go 0-4 today on Sunday, but did draw two walks too, which is great to see. And he scored a couple of runs. So yeah, Nelson Velasquez, if you're not familiar with him, hopefully I just gave you a little bit of an education. But yeah, I definitely think he's someone that has to be on dynasty rosters right now. Uh, let's do some pitchers. Uh, last The last couple of times we've only done one pitcher, but I'm going to do two this week in part because a lot of people ask you me a question, but we'll, we'll get into that. That's This is... Uh, me getting ahead of myself. But the, uh, a starter that I want to talk about is a kid named Chase Silthest, a uh, pitcher for the Angels. Uh, currently in Double a 1.73 ERA, a 37-7 to strikeout-to-walk ratio over 26 innings and five starts. He struck out 10 while allowing two runs over six innings in his start on Thursday. So what's kind of impressive here is this is a kid who's already pitching in A. That was an 11th-round pick, 321st overall. In last year's draft, now it's not unheard of to see guys in Double A from the previous draft class. In fact, you know most of the college arms you'll see that from, but it's not usually 11th round picks so who are getting there, unless we're talking about relievers. It's just kind of an odd little thing. Um, pitched at a bunch of different places. I believe he started at Tennessee, went to junior college at Southern Nevada, same school as Bryce Harper, uh, and then he went Delver to Arizona, became their Friday night starter, and did really well. Um, didn't put up superb numbers, but the Angels liked him enough to give him a pretty sizable bonus in the 11th round. I think Chase Silseth is interesting here, but probably not super. This So we talk a lot, a lot about real life versus fantasy type of pitchers. Chase Silseth, to me, is a much better real life option than a fantasy option. I have real doubts about whether or not that strikeout rate can carry over. Now, he does have a good fastball can get it into the mid-90s with some life. None of his secondary pitches profile above average right now, however. He's got a, a decent slider, a decent change, and a show curve. Does throw them for strikes, but the command is a little bit behind. Sounds like he's made some improvements in that regard. Um, and again, he does have the 37 strikeouts in 26 innings, which is an impressive number. I always caution you, though, with strikeouts at this level because what can happen is if you're able to throw anything for strikes, you're going to get a lot of strikeouts because the, the approach, especially for younger hitters is just not going to be there. You're going to be able to take advantage of the fact if you can locate something on the outside part of the plate, there are just not a lot of guys who can do a hell, hell heck of a lot with that type of pitch. Um, I think he profiles best as a back end starter, but it's possible we're seeing more. So, if you're playing at a real deep dynasty league, maybe take a look. Uh, you're looking at an ETA of probably 2023. A chance, I guess, that he could be 2022 just because he's already in double A. If he makes that jump to AAA, you know, you're just one step away, but seems more like a guy for 2023. More of a, a, a real-life helper for the Angels in the back of their rotation than a fantasy guy. But certainly interesting, and I wanted to talk about him just because he's putting up Some of the best numbers in double A. So, yeah, Chase Siltz, not somebody I'm rostering right now, but at least a little bit interesting. Uh, And finally, I wanted to talk about Adrian Hernandez. And this is a relief pitcher. And normally we don't spend a heck of a lot of time talking about relievers, especially at the prospect level, because there's just not a lot of fantasy upside here, because here's the truth of the situation. Every once in a while, a guy gets drafted or signed as a reliever and makes his way through the system and becomes that star closer. But for the most part, most closers or high leverage relievers are starters who ended up either – I don't want to say failed because some of it is that, yes. But other times it's like, well, we can fast track this arm and we realize that the value of bullpen arms – is so much higher than it used to be right now. So we're going to make that switch and make you a reliever. But it's not usually just a guy who was signed as a reliever, straight reliever, going to become that next closer. And a lot of you ask me the question, like, I'm looking for saves in my dynasty league. I'm, I'm looking for somebody who could be that next closer. I always caution you that there just aren't a whole heck of a lot of those guys. Most of those guys are, again, Former starters who turned into relief. It's kind of like how catcher used to be. It's not a lot of guys used to be catchers. It was guys who they had to move to the position later in, in their professional career. But Hernandez has a chance to be different, pretty much a reliever from the very beginning. And there's a couple of reasons I want to talk to you about him, other than the fact that I do think he is that rare guy who has a chance to be a pure reliever, who has a chance to actually be a closer. He has a zero point nine zero ERA and a zero point seven zero WHIP right now in AAA, and he's picked up three safes. The first thing I want to talk to you about with Adrian Hernandez is that he's listed at five foot eight, and you just don't see a heck of a lot of relievers at that height. Obviously, there are exceptions. Billy Wagner was not a very tall guy in his own rights. Um, you know, there there are some diminutive relievers or diminutive starters. You know, Marcus Stroman. Uh, but most of the time, we are not seeing a whole heck of a lot of pitchers who are fu- listed at five foot eight. Keep in mind that I'm saying the word listed here. But the other thing with Adrian Hernandez is I cannot recommend going on YouTube and checking out this guy's changeup more. It might be the best changeup in minor league baseball. Like it has some Bugs Bunny element to it. And I know that's such a cliche. But it's such a good pitch, and it makes up for the fact that he has about an average fastball and a so-so slider that he's probably not going to be using too often. But this changeup, man, it is a chance to be a super special pitch. Um, comes from the exact same arts beam as his fastball, and we're talking 90 to 91. You don't see a heck of a lot of guys, you know, with that lack of velocity becoming closers nowadays, and you may not. But I also wonder, this kid's makeup apparently is outstanding. He is what he is. So you're not like talking about a bunch of projection and stuff like that. So if you're talking about that traditional closer, if the Blue Jays were to employ one, I can see it being a guy like Adrian Hernandez. There aren't a whole heck of a lot of arms that I can see doing that. Now, there are lots of starting pitchers like Max Meyer. If he ends up having to go to the bullpen, I can see him being a, an absolutely dominant closer. There are, you know, tons of those type of, like the Alex Reyes profile who, you know, question marks about whether or not he could start. Obviously, we saw in flashes and quite a few flashes what he could do as a reliever. So that's normally what you're seeing from closers now. And again, I think it's worth pointing out that most of the time now, your best relievers are not traditional closers for every Josh Hader, There's a bunch of guys like Devin Williams and uh, pitchers of that ilk who are, we have figured out are more valuable in high leverage situations earlier in games. And you see teams like the Mariners who don't have a set closer. They just kind of rotate through and maybe the blue Jays will be that team. Of course they have Jordan Romano right now, who is among the league leaders in saves and is definitely their traditional closer. So it may not even be with Toronto that Adrian Hernandez ends up that guy. But if you're playing in a dynasty league and you really, really want to help have that keeper that has a chance to be a stopper at the end of the year, I think you can roster Adrian Hernandez. I think it's worth the risk. It, it depends on the size of your league um, and all of that stuff, but he's really pitching well in AAA. I think he could maybe he gets his chance this year. He won't get his chance as a closer this year. But I can absolutely see Adrian Hernandez becoming a closer. And boy, again, check out that changeup. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest. But let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Uh, we have a very special edition of NBC Sports Edge's A Good Football Show following the NFL schedule release on Thursday night. Join Sarah Perlman, Pat Doherty, Drew Disnick and Pat Curate on Friday at noon Eastern as they dig into marquee matchups, analyze team win totals, and predict who we think will be crowned division champions in 2022. That'll be a fun show. I'm very scared to see what they'll say about my Seahawks, but that'll be a very fun show roto you know i love you all right let's get to your questions there's some good ones this week a, a nice mix of prospect stuff and some dynasty stuff and some just normal redraft stuff as well uh, but this first one i'm really glad this person asked me this um i already gave him the advice and i think he already made the trade but uh i think this is a really fun one to lead off I was offered Kelnick and a Rosarina for Bellinger, and that's Jared Kelnick and Randy Rosarina for Cody Bellinger, and a 12-team on-base percentage Dynasty League. I'm competing now and can't decide what to do. I thought this was a super interesting trade proposal. And honestly, I went really back and forth. It took me a good hour before I answered him because I really did spend about really about an hour thinking about what the answer was. And ultimately, I told him to do it. And the reason I told him to do it was this. It's not so much that I'm a huge believer in Kelnick and Rosarina, and it's not so much that I don't think Bellinger can help. It's the mix. And what it does is it gives you more options. And I am always a big fan in Dynasty League of creating more options. So I don't believe that Cody Bellinger is ever going to be that MVP candidate again. I don't think he's go- ever going to be the same one of the worst players in baseball that he was in 2020 and 2019 either. But I don't think he's ever going to reach that mark. I don't think Jared Kelnick is ever going to reach that height. It is nice to see him having some more success as of late. Same for Randy Rosarina, got off to awful starts. Both of those guys have been really bad. Bellinger considerably better than both. But I do think there's a chance that Kelnick or a Rosarina can end up better than Bellinger. And here's the thing: let's say that both Kelnick and a Rosarina continue struggling this year. You're going to get to a point in July where you're going to see a contender have a very good outfield option, or excuse me, a non-contender have a very good outfield option that will have interest in Kelnick and a Rosarina because they aren't going to be competing and they will want those young ter- outfielders. I don't think Cody Bellinger is going to be all that attractive for somebody in that situation. Jared Kellnick is a 22 year old and Randy Rosarina as the reigning rookie of the year who has put up some monster numbers at times, I think are gonna be a lot more attractive or maybe Randy Rosarina and Jared Kellnick both play to the level of their talent and equal or better what Cody Bellinger does. But for me, it's more about creating options, and I think you create more options when you make trades for players like this. And Again, I know Jared Kelnick's numbers are just awful. Among the worst starts to a career you can have, which is just so surprising to me because everybody talked about how high this floor is, and I was one of them, and I'm sorry that it hasn't worked out so far, but I'm still a big believer in the talent, especially as a 22-year-old. And considering the pedigree and considering the talent and considering what we saw from him at the end of last season, I, I'm still a big believer. Radio Rosarina is going to be a hot and cold player, I think, throughout his career. But I think you'll get more hot than cold. But yeah, I thought that was a really interesting one. But I think any time you can create more options in a trade like this is a good thing. Uh, is Moises Gomez someone worth rostering in deeper dynasty leagues? Boy, Moises Gomez, we haven't talked about him. I haven't heard very many people talking to him at all. Monster numbers, 393, 438, 954, with 14 homers in 23 games for AA Springfield. And I think it's worth pointing out, this is not a 26 or 27-year-old putting up monster numbers in that league. This is a 23-year-old. So Moises Gomez is a former Tampa Bay Ray prospect, that was getting some top 100 consideration and then just really struggled over his last couple of seasons, like really struggled. OPS below 600, I believe, in his last season, ended up joining the Cardinals organization and now killing the baseball. I think he's worth consideration for sure, especially at that age. He does have some prospect pedigree. He was really impressive coming into 2019, a guy that I was very strongly considering for the back end of my top 100, you know, Tampa Bay has done a great job with these type of profiles. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of time and to say he's killing the baseball right now is the understatement of understatements. I'm a little skeptical just because of how much he struggled in those previous couple of seasons. But yeah, I mean, if you're playing in a, in a deeper league and there you have like fringe players, sure. Pick up Moises Gomez because the worst thing that happens is is you're dropping him for another one of those French players or somebody else who comes up on the radar. Yeah, I think he's very interesting. I think he's got a chance for 65 power. Uh, I don't think he's ever hitting 393 or even 293, to be completely honest with you. Um, But and the approach, the on-base percentage is obviously weighted here by the Strong batting average, only 45 points higher when, you know, only 45 points is normally uh, not an insult. But when you're hitting 393, you know, a a good on-base percentage here or a great on-base percentage here would be like 500. I don't think he's going to contribute a ton in stolen bases. I think there's a very good chance that he may be a platoon type of guy at best. But sure, take take a risk on somebody like Moises Gomez because there was upside here. As a 23-year-old to put up these type of numbers, it's very impressive. You can do a lot worse, and again, the worst thing is you drop him. Um, I'm frustrated with Ozuna, Marcel, and Gallo Joey, but I really need power in the outfield. Should I swap them for what's on the waiver wire, which include names like Dylan Carlson, Alex Verdugo, Max Kepler, Hunter Renfro, Randall Grichik, or hey Solaire, Brandon Nimmo, or Anthony Santander? I am not dropping Joey Gallo, especially if you need power. A frustrating start for sure. <laughs> There's nobody in baseball from the left side who has more raw power. You can't drop Joey Gallo if you need pop. I'm sorry. You just can't. Um, Marcelo Zuna, somebody who I think you can drop. not sure if I'm dropping him over any of these names, except for maybe Carlson or Renfro, because I think maybe both of those guys. I really like Hunter Renfro, actually. He's got off to a bad start, but he's been really driving the ball a lot. Helped a little bit, I think, by the fact that he got to play against the Reds. Oh my goodness gracious! What a disaster that organization is. Randall Grichik is also really interesting too. He's taking advantage of that park. hasn't put up monster power numbers yet, but hitting for a high average. You know, Jorge Soler to me is like the worst version of Joey Gallo. That's not an insult to Jorge Soler. That's a compliment to Joey Gallo. Yeah, I don't think that I can do that. Um, I would probably just stick. With Gallo, and I think I would probably drop Ozuna for Renfro if I was going to do that. That's, um, you know, Dylan Carlson's pretty close to me too. But if you're really looking for power, I think Hunter Renfro would be the guy that I would consider in that situation. You know, it's close, but I'd probably actually stay patient with my roster, to be completely honest. But if you're gonna drop one of them, it's Ozuna. Do not drop Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is going to end up helping you in the power category. More than he is going to hurt. How much longer can I wait for Whit Merrifield? Ugly, ugly start to the season here. And I was just looking at his baseball savant page, and the numbers are bad, and it's not a case of bad luck. I was hoping to co- go to his page and see a bunch of red and suggest that uh, he's just not having a good time, that the 144 average and a 175 slugging percentage. So uh, combine that with a 189 on-base percentage with that 175 slugging percentage, and you have an OPS of 364. Yikes. That is not what you're looking for. Has not hit a homer this year. Has stolen the three bases. You know, still running in the 86th percentile. A very good outfielder. Gets uh, jumps as well as anybody. But like you look here, the average x velocity is in the 20th percentile. The hard hit is in the 29th percentile. The expected slugging is in the 31st percentile. Barreling the baseball in the bottom 17 percent. Those are bad, bad numbers. But I want to caution you with these numbers that these are the results. They're not necessarily predictive. So it's totally possible that we get Whit Merrifield playing much better My concern is is that Whit Merrifield was not very good for most of 2021 either. Now, the overall numbers ended up being okay, but he only had a 6% hard hit percentage. And the big caution for you here is this skill set ages very poorly, very, very poorly. There are so many speed, decent power guys or below average power guys is what I would say with Merrifield. That just have their skill set crumble. So I think there is a chance that we're done with Whit Merrifield. I'm not going to base it though on May 8th. Like he's had too much success in his career to completely wipe him off. That being said, I would be looking at other alternatives, like looking for um, making trades for guys who have a chance to. I, I'm not sure if you're playing him at second base or outfield to improve in that spot because I don't think you can count on Whit Merrifield can't drop him just yet, but I would be looking at guys that I can put Merrifield on the bench just in case this continues. Because again, you know, Michael Bourne's the first name that comes to mind and they're not that similar of players, but it is a reminder of what can happen for speed guys that their skill set deteriorates as quickly as anybody in baseball. So I'd be worried. I can't drop them just yet, but I would be looking at other options. Uh, thank you guys again for those questions. Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Tweet at me, direct message me, whatever you want to do. I'm happy to answer your questions. I, I kind of prefer the DM, and I like it for you guys too, so you your league mates aren't wondering what the heck you are up to um, real quickly. Let's go into my top 10 prospects because I do have a new name at the top. Um, we'll just go over the top three again. Number three, O'Neill Cruz starting to show a little bit of life. Awful, awful start to the season. I do. There's no way to prove it, but I do wonder how much of that was based a little bit on motivation. Like I do wonder how much he was not exactly happy to be a part of the AAA roster to begin the season after a good spring training and looking like he was ready in that very brief glimpse. Still think this was more about service time manipulation. I don't think the pirates got anything right. I just think that it just happened to be that the results were poor, but starting to play better. I would imagine that he's up very soon. Number two, dropping down for the number one spot, Is Nolan Gorman, and it's not an insult to Gorman. It's just a compliment to this guy who's going to be at the top spot. Nolan Gorman still has the 11 homers, ridiculous power, hitting for a decent average, more than a decent average, obviously, Uh, getting on base at a good clip. There's an awful lot to like here. The reason he's number two for me is because I just don't necessarily see a quick call-up. I think he's ready to go. The Cardinals probably think he's ready to go as well, but he's in a place right now at second base with Tommy Edmund playing second base. You know, we talked about this last podcast. What I would do is move Tommy Edmund into that. It's a cliche again, but Ben Zobras type role where he's playing all over the field because he can certainly play pretty much anywhere you ask. And I would want Nolan Gorman's bat in the lineup, but I think we're going to have to wait a few more weeks. And number one, we might have to wait a few more weeks here too, but it's just time. Sadly, Adley And it's helped by the fact that he is now catching in triple a got off to a late start because of the fact that he had the triceps injury. I mean, he's the best catching prospect in baseball. And in my personal opinion, and it's a little easier now because a bunch of these prospects have been called up, but I think he's the best prospect in baseball. And even if you include Julio Rodriguez, and even if you include Bobby Wood Jr. And even if you include a few other guys, I think he's the best prospect in baseball. And Maybe not the best fantasy prospect. He'd probably rank below two of those guys that I just mentioned, but the best real-life prospect in baseball because he's such a strong defensive catcher. He has such a keen eye at the plate. He recognizes pitches so well. He can hit from average for both sides of the plate. He can hit for power. I don't see a way for Adley Rushman to be a poor player. The only thing I caution here is there is a strong history of young catchers struggling at their first taste of the level. For every Mike Piazza, there's a bunch of guys who just really don't put up fantasy relevant numbers in their first season. But I think Adley Rutschman has a chance to be an exception to that. I would imagine that he's up right around Memorial Day, and unless you've got one of the big boy catchers or the big positive, like guaranteed to provide fantasy relevance, like J.T. Realmuto or Will Smith or Salvador Perez, even though Salvador Perez has gotten off to a poor start, unless you've got one of those guys. I'm adding Adley Rutschman, and I'm making him my catcher one. To say that he needs to be rostered in two catcher leagues is the understatement of understatement. He's probably not available in two catcher leagues. But if you have a chance to get Adley Rutschman, i go do it right now for the first time on this podcast, at least the first time on this this podcast. It is better to be too early than to be too late. Uh, That's going to do it. Quicker episode. I hope you guys liked what you heard. Stay tuned on Tuesday for Drew Silva and Janice Scurio for their Power Rankings episode. You can follow me at Crawford underscore MILB. If you liked what you heard, please rate the show five stars. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Until next time, have a great week and we will see you soon.